0: You're now listening to a Binge for Brain Podcast, a show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending binge eating, overeating, and emotional eating through the inside-out understanding of your habits. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Binge Proof Brain podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you my recent history with food intolerances and how I'm protecting myself from evoking scarcity mindset, because who knows, maybe I'm still susceptible uh, to it, especially after binge eating recovery Uh, I'm also going to give you some advice that I also give my clients who find themselves binging on food that is harmful for them. And at the end, I'm probably going to go into a little rant about fake food intolerances. So this episode is for you if you are binging on food that you are intolerant or sensitive to. You believe that you are the stupidest person on earth for binging on foods that you know that are harming you physically, and maybe you also did, you know, some kind of food intolerance test, and now you're trying to navigate your binge eating recovery with a long list of foods that you should avoid. So this is how it may look like. So let's say that you are lactose intolerant, but during the binge you find yourself Eating ice cream and eating pizza with cheese. Maybe you have gluten sensitivity, but during binge, you eat pastry, bread, cakes, pancakes, and after that, you know, your belly just hurts. Maybe you also have other intolerances like intolerance to soy, eggs, lectins. Uh, Maybe you struggle with SIBO and you know that you're supposed to avoid FODMAPs to decrease the amount of symptoms you get. So in general, you know, navigating your your food, your relationship with food is definitely more challenging because of those problems, because of those foods that you're supposed to avoid. And it brings you just additional layer of stress because you feel ashamed because of binging, but also you know that you are like choosing to harm um, yourself. But before I address all of the, these issues... I want to share with you my current story with gluten-free diet. And that sparkled the idea for today's podcast episode. But first, I have to tell you my about my battle with acne that started when I was a teenager. So I had problems with acne, you know, on and off, because I've tried different medications. So of course, I started with like topical antibacterial, Uh, acne medications. um, And when they stopped working, you know, I needed something stronger like oral antibiotics. And I even at some point tried Accutane, which is oral retinoid. Uh, But what helped me really a lot was when I transitioned to a plant-based diet because I I ditched dairy and also uh, for a while I went on a gluten-free diet. And when, when I was eating the diet high in fruits and vegetables, you know, my skin was perfect. But after two, maybe three years, my skin got worse. Uh, maybe because I didn't get enough vitamin A or zinc, you know, my my diet wasn't very balanced. <laughs> um, and also, uh, at that point, I, I started binging, right? I had my binge eating relapse, And you know that when you are binging, you are eating a lot of food. Therefore, you have also overproduction of insulin. And insulin is a hormone that tells your cells to like grow, grow. Uh, So insulin was telling my pimples to just grow, grow. (laughs) And at the time, I also noticed that I have sensitivity to gluten and cacao. So even though I noticed that I have that problem... I was still eating those foods, you know, so I was beating myself up. Uh, I was asking myself, like, how can you be that stupid? You know that tomorrow you are going to wake up with like a huge cyst um, on your chin or something like that. But sometimes I also feel like when I was choosing to eat those foods containing gluten and cacao during the binge, like I kind of wanted to punish myself, you know, I believe that I deserve this, like nobody, nobody will ever love me with the face like that. (laughs) Like I look like a pizza face, like lots of little um, bumps uh, on my face. And also (laughs) I've never been good in makeup. So unfortunately, uh, you know, I couldn't really cover those pimples on on my face. So it really impacted my self-esteem. At some point, um, you know, during my binge eating, energy kind of changed. You know, I started seeing that, okay, it's a compulsion and I, I couldn't control it at the time. So all I had to do is just accept it, accept the consequence. Even though during the binge, I chose to eat those foods that made my acne way worse, I had to accept, uh, I have to accept the consequence. And I also advise that to all of you who are in a similar spot where I was uh, years ago, because adding that additional layer of stress and guilt, like it, it's not helpful. Anyways, at some point I started my binge eating recovery, I stopped uh, over of calories... And this uh, choosing better foods improved my insulin sensitivity. So my acne slowly went away. But during my recovery, I also improved my gut health. And slowly I noticed that I no longer get pimples after gluten and cacao, that I can eat chocolate again, you know. (laughs) And from that day, I had that realization. I probably ate chocolate every single day uh, since that day. (laughs) And of course, uh, for the past couple of years, I I've been getting pimples. You know, for example, before my period, but it wasn't acne. It was just natural hormonal changes. And it all suddenly changed when I turned thirty. <laughs> so uh, I do believe that my acne after thirty. You know, it it initially was caused by hormonal changes. But again, I know my body and I noticed that wheat and gluten containing grains, they exacerbate my acne. I also believe that I have increased gut permeability. That's why um, this is a problem for me right now. But also I know that I can regain my ability to to handle gluten, because it happened in the past. Uh, so there is a guy called um, Joel Green, and he is the author of Immune Code. I, I follow him, I read his books, and I know that uh, increasing bifidobacteria populations uh, in my gut will help uh, retrain my body and my bacteria to digest those sugars, so I know what I have to do. Uh, to improve my gut health, for example, I can take some human milk oligosaccharides and other probiotics, prebiotics, um, to, to to change <laughs> to to change my gut bacteria and again regain uh, the ability to eat gluten. Uh, so in my case, my current gluten sensitivity is probably transient, and because it's transient. I know that I, I just could decide that, okay, just for a month, I I will just ditch gluten. Like, I won't eat any oatmeal, no peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, no avocado toast, etc. And at the beginning, I did that, you know, and for a week or, or two, it wasn't a problem. But I started to sleep up, you know, I was just adding granola here and there. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I just... Uh, I just, it was just harder, right, to stick to my gluten free diet. And again, I'm not celiac. <laughs> what I suspect is that I have a non celiac, non allergic gluten or wheat sensitivity. So I don't have adverse reaction to gluten. Uh, When you think about food sensitivities, I want you to think about like the spectrum. So some people have immediate reaction, like right after eating those foods. Some people have milder and delayed reaction. So that's me. Uh, And I think that sync analogy can help us to understand it. So if I eat a little bit, probably I will be fine (laughs) because the dose makes the poison but when I start to eat like too much gluten, I overflow the sink and when this water spills over, then I get huge cystic pimples on my chin. <laughs> so you know when I ditch those those foods, I started thinking to myself like oh poor me, I can't eat this or that so I literally felt deprived. Uh, So I started craving, you know, uh, gluten-containing foods because I still have them in my house because my fiancé eats them. (laughs) You know, uh, he is uh, Dutch and Dutch people just love bread. (laughs) If you've been um, living here for a while, you know that they are obsessed with their sandwiches. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so I I started feeling deprived. So what I had to do is I had to go shopping And I acquired as many gluten-free and vegan products as possible. And oh boy, those things are expensive. (laughs) But I didn't want to feel like I'm lacking something. So I wanted to buy all the gluten-free alternatives like gluten-free bread and so on. So... You know, theoretically, I know that I should be fine with deprivation because I've been vegan for 10 years. I attended so many parties where they were where there was no vegan food. So I was always fine because I never expected lots of vegan food. I expected that the the cake won't be vegan. So I always knew that I have to bring my own replacement or something like this. But at my own home, I always have vegan alternatives of milk, yogurt, ice creams, mock meats, etc. So I had to do the same with gluten-free products. Even if I haven't eaten pancakes in like a couple of months, who knows? Maybe one day my boyfriend will decide to make pancakes for us. I don't want to be like, no... We cannot have um, those pancakes because we don't have gluten-free flour. And if you make it for yourself, I probably will start craving it. So I'm going to feel left out. (laughs) So instead, um, I predict that I would be just whiny about that. So instead, I just bought gluten-free flour and I have it in my house, right? And that's the advice I give also my clients who have food intolerances and... Or food sensitivities. Fill up your pantry with alternatives. And of course, I I get backlash (laughs) about that because uh, some of my clients know that most of those alternative products are less nutritious. So, in my opinion, normal bread. It's better than gluten-free bread (laughs) because gluten-free bread is made out of, you know, a mixture of different flours that spike your blood sugar higher. There is usually more sugar, fillers, binders, so that those breads don't fall apart. But it's not the point. Um, Like, you are not eating them to be healthier or, or not. It's about the psychological abundance, I want your brain to know that those foods are available and during the binge you don't have to reach for those foods that are harming you and after a binge you're going to feel bad physically because of the binge but also because of the gastrointestinal problems you're going to have. And of course my clients, they do feel hesitant to bring those foods into the house because they believe that when they bring those foods they will eat all of them. Because it's, you know, new food and it's exciting. And my opinion is that when you find yourself overeating on those foods, you may want to keep those uh, foods, uh, keep bringing them more often to your house so that you can habituate yourself to those foods. Like the, the foods are not the problem. You um, seeing them in a certain way, that's, that's the problem. So that was the part about, um, you know, food intolerances, how you can navigate it. And the last thing I want you to know is that you are not stupid. (laughs) Like you may be believing that, um, that you are stupid because you are eating those foods that are actively harming you. But I want to remind you about all the warning labels on cigarettes. Uh, So usually they mention that, hey, if you smoke cigarettes, you've got increased risk of lung cancer. But look, people are still uh, smoking cigarettes. We are doing a lot of things that are harming us. Even me right now sitting at my desk, you know, that's a problem, right? Because prolonged sitting, I don't know, shortens your lifespan or something like that. So I want you to know that in the moment... The eating disorder, you know, takes over you. It's a compulsion. It's not your your fault. And most humans rarely do rational decisions. <laughs> Actually, a lot of decisions that we make, they are driven by, by our emotions. So even if you are eating those foods, in it, it doesn't mean anything about you. So I wanted to just, just tell you that, that you are not stupid. But... I want to tell you what is stupid, and it is food intolerance testing quackery. <laughs> and before we get into that, and I feel like I'm already getting like excited to rant about it a little bit, um, I need to make just this quick science explanation. I want to show you the difference between food allergies, food intolerances, and food sensitivity. So let's start with food allergies. So allergies are IgE-mediated. IgE means immunoglobulin E. So that means that allergies require immune response. So when you have some kind of food allergy, um, you may expect symptoms like, I don't know, difficulty breathing, maybe feeling sick, having hives, itchy, rashes, maybe your limbs or face is swollen. And food allergies are diagnosed using blood test, EGE, blood test, and maybe also um, like a skin uh, prick test. Uh, And usually they are combined with like food challenge. And a person who performs those tests is a medical doctor, maybe immunologist or an allergist. Yes, so that was the part about food allergies. Now, food intolerances. So food intolerance is a digestive response rather than an immune response. So it means that you have difficulty digesting certain foods and after eating them, you are having unpleasant physical reactions to them. Um, Symptoms may include something like bloating, flatulence, uh, maybe some tummy cramps and so on. But important information is that there is no blood test for food intolerance. And the third category I wanted to talk about is food sensitivities. And to be honest, we don't know much about food sensitivities. They might be a reaction from the immune system, but there is no gold standard testing to check you know, what kind of food sensitivities you have. I want you to notice that there is a number of people who call themselves allergic to certain food. And usually they just overestimate their problem and they misuse the term allergic. Of course, they may still have food intolerance or food sensitivity, but there is no valid test that checks food intolerance or food sensitivity. And, you know, based on my knowledge, okay? Yeah, I'm not a specialist in, you know, food sensitivities, but as far as I know, I think that there is no valid test for that. And if somebody says that they have valid tests that can tell you, you know, about your food intolerance or food sensitivity, just make sure that this testing is FDA approved. Because it needs to have some kind of scientific validity. Because unfortunately, a lot of people sell like bullshit tests. (laughs) So the best thing that you can do in order to check your food intolerance or food sensitivity is just self-observation. And that's a problem because, uh, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say that they did this uh, food intolerance testing. They they bought it. I don't know. Maybe it required blood, saliva. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a, a piece of your hair. And the test results said that they can't eat spinach, eggs, strawberries, bread, and avocado. And weirdly enough, these are the staples of their diet. <laughs> the thing is that commercial IgG food intolerance tests are not valid because because IgG response is a natural immune response to a foods you're eating. So if if before a test you were eating those foods, on a result you're gonna see reaction. <laughs> but unfortunately the test gonna tell you that you have to avoid those foods. But all those tests prove is that you were eating those foods. Before the test. <laughs> so, I want you to, to notice the difference that IgE are legit food allergy tests. However, IgG tests are bullshit food intolerance testing. And this is what happens when you do that test, that bullshit test, and you receive the results. You limit those foods for a while because you believe that they are harming you. And often those are pretty, you know, nutritious foods. And that unfortunately leads to dysbiosis of gut microbiome because instead of eating a lot of, instead of eating variety of foods, you are limited to, you know, just a couple of foods. So again, you limit those foods, but inevitably at some point you are going to, you know, maybe crave them uh, and you decide to eat them. And after eating them, you are going to feel bad because you are lacking the bacteria that feed on those foods. And then you have symptoms. And then the idea that you are intolerant to those foods is reinforced. Uh, and additionally, like before you even start eating those foods, you may be under a lot of stress because you anticipate that you are going to have gastrointestinal response, right? So you are stressing about those foods, which, which may contribute to, to the symptoms. And, and we could also attribute those symptoms to the nocebo effect. So in general, your reaction can be psychosomatic, or it can be also caused by disturbed gut microbiota. And it's not like your body is intolerant to those foods. The problem is gut dysbiosis. In other words... Uh, imbalance of gut microbiota. And here's a great example that I'm on a plant-based diet and I eat lots of legumes without having to fart, you know? (laughs) So eating beans for a while, for me, led to build up of the population of gut bacteria that can digest those carbohydrates present in legumes. However, if there's a person who avoids legumes and they eat just a couple of beans, they will be bloated and gassy because they lack bacteria and they have other types of bacteria. And when those bacteria try to eat those legumes, they choke on those legume carbohydrates like oligosaccharides, and then they produce gas. (laughs) That's very, very interesting. But anyways, in short, IgE food allergy tests are done by medical doctor and they are combined with food challenge and these are legit tests all other tests are not legit <laughs> you may have you may still have food intolerance or food sensitivity but these kind of tests that you can buy online they they do not prove it <laughs> and you know out of curiosity i even checked like how many of those tests people sell online and I am totally overwhelmed. And I want to read to you part of the advert I found, like quickly Googling, you know, test for food intolerances or something like that. And this is the ad. Intolerance testing uses a sample of your hair to determinate your sensitivity to up to 900 food and non-food items. Testing includes a nutrition, mental toxicity gut biome, and hormonal analysis. Guys, like my bullshit alert is is very high right now. Like this is insane that somebody is selling that and that it is legal to sell that because this just smells bad, right? (laughs) So I want you to be, after listening to today's episode, I want you to be really careful with these kind of tests because you are just throwing money and it won't be helpful at all and there are also other tests offered uh, like the genetic tests for food intolerances and I want you to know that genetic tests they assess only the risk of of diseases they are never like telling you yes 100% you've got this they are assessing your risk so even if you check you know your your genes for like gluten they will only tell you that you have decreased or increased risk of hypersensitivity to gluten. The same with uh, lactose intolerance. So genetic tests can indicate lactose intolerance, but it won't give you the definite answer. And it can only help you with the diagnosis of primary lactose intolerance. And we know that some people may struggle with secondary lactose intolerance and it happens when your body just loses the ability to produce lactase maybe due to you for example taking antibiotics uh, so antibiotic disturbed gut microbiota and now you have lactose intolerance so i want you to know with that with all of those tests you know nothing is straightforward so be very careful with your interpretation and in case you really having those food sensitivities or food intolerances, the best option you have is just self-observation. You know, have a journal of what you eat and try to correlate it with symptoms. And then you can talk to a specialist. So this is how I assessed my non-celiac wheat sensitivity. I've noticed that it increases my acne, but it's probably not the primary um Cause Like the the gluten didn't cause it. It was caused by hormonal changes. And also there is no test. I can prove that, you know, (laughs) I I have only my suspicion. Uh, So all I can do is I can manage my symptoms while working on getting my gluten tolerance back because many of those food sensitivities and food intolerances, they can be improved or fixed you know, with the right approach uh, to the gut health. I want you to notice what I said. I said about food sensitivities and food intolerances. I'm not saying that food allergy can be cured. Like there is no cure for celiac disease. If you get into anaphylactic shock after eating peanuts, like your diagnosis is true, like you cannot fix it. <laughs> so just um, just be careful um, when you're listening to people talking about, you know, Food allergy, food sensitivities, intolerances. I want you to just know the difference. <laughs> uh, and at the end of today's podcast episode, I want to caution some of you, those of you who heard about Dr. Stephen Gundry. <laughs> because he is uh, the biggest quack of them all. <laughs> so unfortunately, hundreds of people, hundred thousands of people, Unnecessarily avoid lectins because of his book, The Plant Paradox. And his theory was debunked so many times. Research, you know, is proving otherwise. It's saying that lectins uh, in like normal amounts, like lectins, have some health benefits. Unfortunately, this guy is invited as a guest to so many wellness podcasts and he's spreading his. Pseudoscience. Uh, he also sells supplements that should somehow like shield your gut when you eat those harmful lectins. And you know what? I read his book, <laughs> and the funny thing is that in his own book he debunks all the book. <laughs> so you know, in the first part he goes on and on about harmful lectins and toxic plant substances. And then he debunks it with just one sentence, because somewhere at the end of the book, he says that you can easily remove lectins by just cooking beans, lentils in pressure cooker. <laughs> so I think that he should be selling, you know, instant pots <laughs> rather, rather than those silly, expensive supplements. So just be careful, guys, because as people with eating disorders, you are probably chasing this holy grail of wellness you are looking for a diet some kind of superfood supplement uh, detox practice whatever essential oil (laughs) or fitness program like your search for ultimate answer like solution to your health problems is in my opinion is futile (laughs) somehow every time i use the word futile i see the star trek scene you know Resistance is futile. <laughs> Any other nerds out there? <laughs> what, was I, what was I saying? Okay. Um, what is this podcast episode even about? <laughs> Food intolerances. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's go back on track. Okay, so usually at the end of each podcast episode, I do some kind of summary. But you know what? This whole rant about like pseudoscience in wellness industry... Uh, I think it slightly put me off the track, (laughs) so I better save my honor and shut up right now. But wait, I've got a quick announcement. And that right now in December, you can buy my brain video course for the last time. The cart closes at the end of December 2022 and you won't be able to purchase this course uh, after... Uh, that date. and it's a self-paced video course where you get access to uh, videos <laughs> and also workbooks so that you can you know do some follow along exercises. And after purchasing the course, you get access to it for free months. and it's a low ticket product uh, that do not require any one-on-one coaching. And so maybe if you are interested in, you know, do-it-yourself program, then you would be interested in that. And the link to the course is in the description box to today's podcast episode. And if you have any questions about, you know, this course, you can always message me or on Instagram or you can just send me an email. Okay, thank you so much for listening to me today and see you in the next podcast episode. Bye. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Binge Pro Brain on Instagram. And if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your coaching application for my Binge Pro Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day. Bye.